What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Now just released, the frantic phone call made between cult mom Lori Vallow and her brand new fourth or fifth husband, doomsday cult leader, Chad Daybell. This as the feds and local authorities were approaching his farm to start digging. FYI, Banner, if and when you go to jail, I mean, everybody needs to do a little probation, but... If and when you go to jail, just know this. Your calls are recorded. We can hear everything. At some point, it all comes out. And boy, this is a whopper. This and the latest developments in the case of cult mom, Lori Vallow. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here. First of all, I want you to take a listen. We have obtained the actual recordings from the jail. Now, they're a little hard to hear, as you can understand, behind jailhouse walls. The recording quality is not like you're in a studio. There are people walking around. You're on a payphone. Sometimes it's really hard to hear. But in this first sound I'm going to play for you, you're hearing this desperate phone call between cult mom Lori Vallow and her new husband, Chad Daybell. He is alerting her, quote, they are searching the house. Listen. Thank you for your big Hi, Dad. Hello. Are you okay? So they're searching the property. The house right now? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Mark means we'll be talking to you. Okay. Well, are they in the house? No, they're out in the property. Are they seizing stuff? Again? They're searching. Oh, 
destruction. Yes, such a Okay, knowing what I'm listening to helps me a lot to hear that and understand what they're saying. He alerts Lori Vallow, they're here. She says, are they searching the house? And at that point, he says, they're searching the property. Now, when you hear the rest of this, it's really telling. But first of all, let me introduce my all-star panel joining me to break it down and put it back together again. First of all, newcomer to our ranks, but not a stranger to the courtroom, Joseph Marone, Philadelphia criminal defense attorney. You can find him at MaroneLaw.com. That's Marone with an E. Dr. Angela Arnold, renowned psychiatrist, joining me from the Atlanta jurisdiction. Donald Schweitzer, first-time guest, former L.A. detective. I love that part. Criminal defense attorney, former prosecutor, and you can find him at Schweitzer Law Partners. Jennifer Shen, forensic pathologist, former San Diego Police Department crime lab director. Dave Mack, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter joining us. First of all, let me go to you. Donald Schweitzer, former L.A. detective, former prosecutor, now criminal defense attorney, you know what, Donald? Have you do you go by Donald or Don? Don, Don, uh, have you ever advised one of your clients, let's just say a nasty divorce, to set up a wire, tape phone calls? I'm not asking who, but let me just rephrase that. Have you ever known of one of your clients that taped phone calls? Yeah, I mean, people do it all the time. Uh, unfortunately, as you know, Nancy, uh, there's crimes that are related to that. Um, and so, you know, we discourage people from doing that. Yeah, we tell them flat out, it's not going to come into evidence, at least so Why? long as I'm Let me ask this, Don, is in your jurisdiction, is it one party consent? It, it is. Oh, I yes, hate uh, that. I absolutely hate that. I hate when it's two party <laughs> consent. And what we mean by that is, say I want to tape Jackie's phone calls, which, you know, by the way, I am doing. I'm taping everybody. I'm even taping myself. Um, in many jurisdictions, it requires two-party consent. I have to agree to be taped, and she has to agree to be taped. In a lot of jurisdictions, it's one-party consent. In other words, I tape all my phone calls, and I happen to get you on the line, and that's okay. But those aren't the rules behind bars. To Joseph Marone, Philadelphia criminal defense attorney, Joseph, you heard what Don Schweitzer just said. Um do you remember top mom Casey Anthony's case where she killed her daughter, Kelly? I did. And those I did. angry jailhouse conversations she would have with her parents where she'd be nutting up on them as if they were the problem. And all of that was accessible through the Florida Sunshine Laws. They tape everything that you say on the phone, every video conference you have, everything except when you meet with your lawyers or you meet with your chaplain or priest. None of that's taped, and none of that can be accessed. But Joseph Marone, in a lot of cases, um, there are recorders even within the jail cells or in the walls that people don't know about, and that's okay because you don't have a right to privacy. Explain. No, listen, when you're in custody of uh, law enforcement, you give up, you know, you give up your valuable rights and you have no right to privacy, meaning anything you say is, is going to be privy to, to the government. And they're going to utilize that not only against you for any new crimes, but specifically against you for 
the case in chief. And a lot of times defendants, you know, they're contacting family members, friends, and they start saying a lot of incriminating facts along the way that the uh, prosecutor gathers up and, and sometimes aids in his case. And obviously this is what's happened here. So, you know, it just gets worse and worse. And the thing about taught mom, Casey Anthony, she portrayed herself one way in court, you know, with the collar up to here and the long hair and the blah, the blah, and sitting there like a school library in a little sweater button up to here. Uh-uh. No, N-O, because when you saw her going crazy, angry, screaming, seething at her parents who were there to help her, you see the other side of Top Mom, Casey Anthony, and that's what we're seeing right here. For those of you just joining us, we're talking about uh, cult mom Lori Vallow and her brand new husband, Chad Daybell, blabbing on the phone about the search that was going down at his farmhouse, as you probably already know, you legal eagles, the bodies of both uh, two of Lori Vallow's children, J.J., seven years old, tiny, a teen girl, found there on that property. Dr. Angela Arnold, psychiatrist, joining me out of the Atlanta jurisdiction. Dr. Angie, th- this is something, I mean, I'm just a J.D., you're the M.D. Why do people let their, their and I find myself doing it, if I'm in court or I'm on TV, I have a, you know, I'm more guarded. But if I'm even doing a radio interview on the phone, I mean, it all comes out. Why are people so less inhibited on the phone than they are in real life or in any other circumstance? What is that? Well, you know, when you're on the telephone, Nancy, people can't, and, and on the radio, people can't actually see you, can they? And I have a feeling that, first of all, this was such a disturbing phone call for her to receive in jail. The, the content of the phone call was, was so disturbing. And she, and so she forgot because there wasn't, she didn't see anybody looking at her. And so it's all about that personal contact and whether you can actually see somebody or over the phone, you feel like you're incognito, don't you? Yeah, you really do. You feel hidden. Yeah. You really do. And those, every inhibition, all your guard seems to be let down. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.
Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Guys, we have obtained recordings of, of cult mom Lori Vallow speaking to her brand new husband, Chad Daybell, a doomsday cult leader, on the phone. Now, there is no way in H-E-L-L, Chad Daybell does not know that the bodies of these two children are on his property. And these phone calls are very revealing. Jackie, let's play part two of the phone calls. Glad you called. Okay, she says, what can I do for you? And he blah, blah, blah. And then says, just want to talk with you. Okay, you know, to you, Donald Schweitzer, former L.A. detective, former prosecutor, now defense attorney, I know that you have listened to a 100 taps, as have I. It's very hard. You, you, get, you get excited to get, get a tap on a person. You have to go through a lot of legal uh, hoops. You have to go to the judge. It's very intrusive to get a phone tap on somebody. But here, you're in the jail, so you don't have to go through all that. But then when you hear it, and I look at the transcripts, I'm like, that's not right. I'd have to go through every phone call and retranscribe it myself, playing it back, playing it back, playing it back to catch every possible word. It's very hard to do, Donald Schweitzer. It really is. Uh, with my staff in my office, uh, we go through great pains trying to get some of the detail. You know, if you don't get it, then it could cause a lot of confusion with respect to what people are saying. I listened to this recording, though, Nancy, and it, even though it's kind of hard to hear at first blush, one thing that's real clear, and that is, is that uh, Mr. Uh, Daybell seems to be very nervous. He seems to be uh, worried that uh, you know, they're going to find something. And quite frankly, it looks like they're saying goodbye to each other. Or he's saying goodbye to uh, Lori because, you know, he's talking about his, his defense attorney and things of that nature. Uh, to me, he seems like he's packing. He knows that he's going to be uh, headed for trouble real soon. And that's just clear. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter how clear uh, the words are. You could just tell by the tone and some of the things that they're saying that, you know, this is doomsday for both of them. Yeah, he's a creek without a paddle because there's two dead bodies in his yard buried back there with the pet cemetery. To Joseph Marone, two things strike me. Number one, they never mention the children. It's all about them and the, the ramifications of the search on his farm. They both know the bodies of the children are going to be found. And Tylee was horribly uh, dismembered and burned. Wait till you hear about it. It's just, ugh, it's terrible. They never mention them. 
It's all about me, 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 number one. And number two, they sound like two lovesick high school sweethearts. What can I do for you? Uh, I just want to talk to you. Yeah, it's all about him feeling glum. He's about to go to jail. Forget about dismembering Tylee and murdering JJ. Does that not bug you, Joseph Moran? I mean, how do you stand dealing with murderers and molesters and all that every day? I mean, it's like they're, own, they're in their own little world. They don't even get what they've done. How do you shake some sense into your clients, Joseph? Listen, that, that's been the theme of this whole case from day one when they first approached uh, both uh, Lori and and, uh, and Chad. I mean, they from day one they denied you know their whereabouts. They they lied. Um, they were only concerned about themselves all the way through. And now in this circumstance, even through the phone conversation, they're more concerned about you know are they going to find something rather than the welfare of the children. Um, I mean, she clearly you know, lied to the police about our own children. And, it, and the other thing, too, is when you look through the evidence, it doesn't phase her that her children are missing. I mean, she's clearly caught up in some type of uh, some type of brainwashing or some type of cult through him. I mean, that's kind of been what the evidence connects. But the interesting thing in this case is, you know, circumstantially connecting the dots, showing that, you know, obviously – that they, they knew where the bodies were. They, they, they knew the children were ah, missing. You just brought up a really good point because Joseph Marone, if my husband called me and said, the cops are here, they're searching the house. I go, what? Why are they in the house? What, what, what's going That's on? That's right. Or That's right. what did you, you do? Did. <laughs> yeah, you, you they don't, don't ever even here. ask, why are the cops at the house? Never. They never do you remember the show, uh, What's It Cops? Yeah, that was the name of the show. And there'd be a guy sitting there in his easy chair having a beer watching TV. And the cops come running through and he just keeps watching TV. It's like, hey, guy, there's cops raiding your house. Or Does that not bother you? And in this case, they never say, I don't know why they're here. Why are they here? Because they know why the cops are there. Take a listen now to more of the jailhouse secretly recorded phone call. Have you talked to Marty? Oh, yes. So he knows what they're doing? Yeah. It's okay. Call from somebody else I need to talk to. I love you so much. Okay, I love you. Should I try to call you later? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, we can try, yeah. I'll answer if I can. Okay. I love you and I'll talk soon. Okay, baby. I love you. Okay. Love you. You know what? Again, to you, Dr. Angela Arnold, I, I'm just a JD. I'm just a trial lawyer. Okay. What in the H-E-double-L are they talking about, Dr. Angela? I love you. I love you. Can I call you later? As they're digging up my children's dead bodies? Well, what world are they living in? Their own world. Their own world that they have created. Okay? But what, what struck me when I listened to that phone call was the change in her voice when she talked to him. She It became very childlike. I heard it? that. I heard that too, but I didn't know the right yes. words to describe it. She became very childlike, and it's almost as if she, he has all of this control over her and then she's trying to she's trying to comfort him but but it was mainly that childlike feeling that her voice 
that went into, okay? Because I've heard other things that Lori Ballow has said, and she can become very mean and nasty over the phone when she's confronted, can't she? But with it's almost like his little girl, isn't she? I think that that phone call, there's going to be a lot about their relationship that can be that can be picked through and found out through just how they connected with each other. Over that I really don't give a flying fig about their relationship. And if she jumps up in court and tries to say she was brainwashed over my cold, dead body. But guys, wait a minute. Let's bring it all home. I want you to hear what was found on the scene. Uh, a melted green bucket with something damning inside of it. Roll it, Jackie. Were there any other identifying features of that uh, in that area or as part of that mass that drew your attention? Yes, there was. What was it? There was a melted green bucket that it appeared that the, the burnt flesh had been placed in. Uh, under the bucket was a partial human skull. Uh, and were, was that bucket and the, what you've just described as a partial human skull, were those also, did you observe what was done with those? Yes. What was done with those? They were also placed into a bag and placed in the coroner's vehicle. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Were there any other identifying features of that uh, in that area or as part of that mass that drew your attention? Yes, there was. What was it? There was a melted green bucket that it appeared that the, the burnt flesh had been placed in uh, under the bucket was a partial human skull. Okay. Uh, and were, was that bucket and the, 
what you've just described as a partial human skull, were those also, did you observe what was done with those? Yes. What was done with those? They were also placed into a bag and placed in the coroner's vehicle. Did you hear that? We are talking about a newly discovered evidence in the search for J.J. entirely, the children of cult mom Lori Vallow, dead. Did you know this? A melted green bucket. That means they tried to burn it. Full of human burnt flesh. You think I take joy in saying that? I remember the first time I stood in front of a jury and I had to recount the facts surrounding a murder case, and it was a bad one. I could hardly say it without tears coming to my eyes. I didn't want to cry in front of a jury. But think about it. This is a seven-year-old little boy and a teen girl, his sister. And cops find a melted green plastic bucket, I assume plastic, full of burnt human flesh of these children and part of a human skull under the bucket. Just let that soak in for a moment. Every time I have one of a case about children, I think about my own children. Burnt human flesh and a child's skull. And these two were on the phone going, I love you. To Jennifer Shen, a renowned forensic pathologist joining us, former San Diego Police Department Crime Lab Director. You know, that's not easy, Jennifer. It's hard enough being a trial lawyer in the criminal business surrounded by a bunch of felons and male defense attorneys. That's not fun. Uh, no offense, Schweitzer and Marone, but I can only imagine in your line of business how you made it to the top of Crime Lab Director. My hat's off to you. That's a whole nother can of worms. Jennifer Shin, how can you tell what what? What does burnt human flesh even look like? Because these photos are going to be showed to a jury. What does it look like? You know, it's uh, listening to your description of the bodies. It's just, um, you know, it's heart wrenching. And you know, I've been to many, many crime scenes in my in my time, and you know, it's it's difficult to uh, explain what it's like to be standing in front of a dead body. Um, I was very worried about the first time I did it, and you know, really, there's nothing left. There's nothing left in the body when someone's dead. There's nothing left there, and so you can handle that by just sort of working the case and trying to come up with uh, things and information that will help solve the crime. But when you deal with something like this, it's the combination of the horrificness of the condition of the body, and you know, looking at a burnt body. First of all, the smell is just so intense and terrifyingly awful, but just knowing the the actions that occurred to create the situation in front of you, it's it's almost more than the average person can take. And I, I think you probably have some pretty strong reactions by the cops at the scene when they found the bodies because it's just it's horrifying. And when you know that these were children, 
it's worse. I mean, it's just worse. Uh, I don't know why, but I'm trying to take in. I mean, I've seen, I've been on murder scenes where cops actually threw up, especially rookies. Yeah. It's just horrifying. It's it's so much, uh, sensory. Trying to figure out what does burnt human flesh look like? Because I've tried a lot of cases, including arson murder, but I've never seen just flesh, burnt human flesh. I know that Tylee was dismembered. So I don't know if this has to do with Tylee or JJ. But I, I also know that burned human flesh is an awful, acryl, acrid odor. There's, there's nothing like it at all. It smells terrible. Have you ever seen burnt human flesh? Because I have not. I don't know what that looks like. No, I have to say I've been very fortunate not to have a scene where I had a, a burned body. Um, but you are correct. The smell is overwhelming and it's un, undeniable. Um, you know exactly what it is when you smell it. Uh, so it, yeah, it's horrifying. We are talking about what was found during the search while cult mom Lori Vallow and her brand new, Jackie's the fourth husband, right? Not judging not judging. Uh, but what I don't like about their marriage is that they planned their wedding and she bought her wedding dress and ring. And I guess after the Amazon order got there, they had to get rid of Tammy. Anyway, that's another story and another case to be tried. But as these two are canoodling over the jailhouse phone, this is what is going down. Roll it, Jack. The Emmy. Um, grabbed a small sharp instrument and cut down the middle of the black plastic. Okay. Uh, and what did you observe? I observed a small child uh, in red pajamas, red pajama shirt, red pajama pants, black socks that had the word Skechers in orange across the toes. I also observed a light and blue blanket that had been placed on top of him. Okay. Uh, Detective, were there, um, when you observed what you perceived to be a child, were there, was there anything that drew your attention? Yes. Uh, can you uh, describe one of, uh, can you describe for the court what drew your attention? The amount of duct tape that was covering the body. That is significant. Uh, in psychological terms, the way that the bodies were hidden, the way that they were basically hermetically sealed with duct tape. Uh, Dr. Angela Arnold, remind me to circle back to you on that. But I want to go to crimeonline.com and investigative reporter Dave Mack. You know what, Dave Mack? One of the first things I always ask, not the first, but one of the first, as you well know, because I've asked you, was the body clothed? And if so, what was the person wearing? You remember when Lacey Peterson's body was found, what was left of it in San Francisco Bay? She was still wearing, I believe, a maternity bra. And I forgot what, what, what else was on her body. That tells me a lot. That tells me, based on where she was last seen and what she was wearing, maybe 
when she was killed, when she was abducted. Now, think back, Dave Mack. Think. Use that noodle. Okay? The last time that J.J., a seven-year-old J.J., is seen alive, according to someone visiting the home, Alex Cox, Lori Vallow's brother, came in the room, and J.J. was asleep. He was holding him. Isn't this right? In his PJs with a blanket over him. The medical examiner says, and we have now learned this in sworn testimony, that J.J.'s body was still wearing the red PJs wrapped in a blanket, black socks. That tells me exactly when J.J. was killed, Dave Mack, and who had a hand in it. You know, Melanie Gibb described it as a touching moment on September 22nd when Alex Cox was carrying uh, J.J. because they thought J.J. was asleep. He had his head on Alex's shoulder, and it touched them because they thought, what a sweet picture this is of an uncle carrying his nephew. And J.J. was wearing the red pajamas with the black socks, his head on his uncle's shoulder. Now we don't know if he was asleep at that time because of this, what we discovered when they found his body. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career and here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Guys, we are talking about recently revealed evidence, including cult mom Lori Vallow with her hubby on the phone having a session while Daybell's property is being searched. The bodies of two of her children are found. A green bucket half melted full of human flesh, a skull. These are her children. And as this is happening, she's canoodling with Daybell on the phone. Um, 
Jackie, please go to cut 11. And I want you to hear how JJ's body was disposed. Uh, where was that duct tape located? On the head, arms, and feet. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the head area. Uh, um, when, when you looked at the head, uh, what, did you, what did you observe there? The head had a white plastic bag over the top of it. It appeared to be a normal trash bag, had a red drawstring. Uh, it appeared to be the expandable type of trash bag with the waffle style pattern on top of the head. Okay. Uh, and you had mentioned duct tape there. How, where did you observe the duct tape? It was duct tape that were, was tightly wrapped around this way, tightly from his chin to his forehead area. To Jennifer Shen, forensic pathologist, uh, former San Diego PD crime lab director. Jennifer, the clothing on a body is very, very important. How do you explain to me, how do you go about preserving everything? For instance, you get a body and it's wrapped like a mummy in duct tape. How do you preserve that duct tape? Because that's a great source of fingerprints. I'm sure Joseph Marone out of Philadelphia is shuddering, thinking of his client's fingerprints on duct tape. You can't really hide that. And Donald Schweitzer, detective, uh, it, it, it tells me a lot about how the bodies were sealed, so to speak. But Jennifer, how do you preserve that? And what do you do with the clothes? How do you preserve them for touch DNA or fibers or hair the killer may have deposited on there because i guarantee you jennifer what cult mom and daybell are going to do is try to blame alex cox that's going to be the scapegoat as if they knew nothing about it and i can't wait to hear them explain how the bodies ended up on in his pet cemetery on his farm but jennifer shin how do you go about preserving the duct tape, the clothes, the fibers, the DNA? You know, it's a, it's a pretty complex process because you have so many layers. It's, you know, it's always really good news for investigators that there are, there's a couple layers of plastic bags, there's duct tape, there's clothing, and whatever else they might find in that, you know, makeshift grave site. So it has to be done carefully. Everything has to be photographed and documented, and then you just go from the outer layer in. I mean, the clothing will have to likely be dried out, so all the body fluids are dry. So wait, 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 wait. What do you mean it has to be dried out? How do you do that? So we have special hoods and things in the laboratory where if you have bloody clothing or, or clothing that's been um, involved uh, on a body with decomposition of any kind, all of that has to be um, dried out so that all the body fluids become completely dry before they can be handled by anyone. So... Depending on the condition of the body, there are some things that have to be done just to make make the evidence handleable by a scientist. And the duct tape, you know, there's a lot of things you can do. You want to really preserve the end. Let me of understand the duct tape. something. You dry you dry the items in a fridge. It's a it's a hood, so it's a it's a big like a big square box where all of the um, all of the airflow is contained in a ducting system, so that that. The, the the evidence can lay out and dry out while all of the 
you know, all of the smell and the putrefaction smell is is captured in the ducting system. So it's just a matter of. Well, what do you call that box? It's not a fridge, and I thought you were saying fridge. What is it? A hood, a fume hood. Hood. H o o d. Hood. Yes. And what what was the word before that? Did you say flumed? Fume. F u m e. Fume. The fume hood. hood. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, once everything has been in a situation that's dry. Uh, then you're going to look for that evidence. So in the duct tape in particular, you're right. Fingerprints, you can get touch DNA. Sometimes if you're very lucky, you can connect the ends of the duct tape back to a specific roll of duct tape. Same with plastic bags. You're really trying to take anything that's in that grave site and, and connect it back to the person that put the body in the grave site. So it's just a very complex process because there's so much of it and it has to be handled very carefully because you don't want to lose fibers and hairs, et cetera. So it's, it's, um, it will take them quite a while to go through all of that evidence. Uh, you brought up something really interesting just then, the duct tape. You know, to you, Donald Schweitzer, former L.A. detective, as we saw, again, I'll use the Todd Mom Casey Anthony case, a trash bag or duct tape both of them can be traced to a specific type, like let's just pretend scotch tape. Um, and it can be traced back if it's done properly and timely to the manufacturer. The batch, the batch of duct tape and where that batch was sold. Let's just say 325 uh boxes of duct tape were sent to uh, Rexburg. Let's just go with that. And you can identify which stores that batch was sent to. Then you go to the stores and you start pulling their video so you can find when the perp bought the duct tape. Then if you've got any brains at all, as they did in Tot Mom, case you go to the home and you look for matching duct tape or matching trash bags to show that's who owned the duct tape or the trash bags i i don't know because it took so many so many months to get this case going whether they did that but how does that work how can we trace the duct tape back to its origin well nancy first of all i think these uh, folks ought to hire you as a consultant here that, that was a brilliant uh, investigation uh, analysis, something that I didn't even think about, quite frankly. Uh, how do they, you just described it. I mean, that's exactly how it would be done. Uh, you know, and this case is very, very complicated. So evidence like that would be very, very useful. I, I think that, you know, when all these pieces are put together, uh, they, the, the puzzle is going to point to Lori and Chad, but it's going to take efforts like that. Well, 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 well what are y'all like? Do you, are you inviting them over to dinner? You're on a first main basis with Lori and Chad? <laughs> Well, you know what? I'm bad with names. So Vallo and Daybell. Okay. I'll call them their last names. Okay. Good point. That makes me feel a little bit but, better. Okay. I got other names for them, but I, I won't do that in your show. Uh, you know, I, I think that it's very complicated, and that is a brilliant way to uh, tie it back. You know, there is going to be an argument that, you know, the brother-in-law, Alex Cox, was the bad guy, and, you know, he put the bodies in the backyard. But when you look at all the evidence that we know about so far, lying to authorities, asking others to lie, you know, uh, mutilate bodies, uh, the phone calls. I mean, it's, it's pretty damning that they're at, at the very least 
uh, accessories to the crime. The question is, did they actually do the murder or were they just covering up efforts? But it really doesn't matter because of the timeline that I think is involved in this case. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tie profile defense attorney out of Philadelphia, Joseph Marone, maronelaw.com. Joseph, uh, I don't know if you've ever dealt with fiber evidence, but I was really blessed to have worked at a high volume crime jurisdiction, inner city Atlanta. And I know you remember the Atlanta murders of young men and young boys uh, by Wayne Williams. P.S. I think that a lot of those victims were lumped into Wayne Williams. I think he killed plenty of them. But at a certain point, they were just lumping in every black male that was found in the water with Wayne Williams. He may have done them all. But I'm not totally sure about that. I know he did several. But you know what they did for the first time in the country? They used fiber evidence. In other words, based on what Jennifer Shen just told us, you preserve the evidence on the body, and they could find fibers. They're like, whoa, where'd these come from? The back of Wayne Williams' car and his trunk and his apartment, his home, had a unique shag carpet. And it was traced back to the home and the car. So here, even though Alex Cox was living, I think, in the same apartment complex as Lori Vallow, I wonder if they could get fiber evidence off the bodies. They had to be killed somewhere. What about it, Joseph Marone? What about it is they haven't been charged with murder, and they've been kind of examining this case. For oh, some please time. I mean, stop it. Well, but listen, they haven't brought the charges. You know the state that they want these people bad. They would have brought these murder charges already, but they don't have the, 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 the evidence, the forensics evidence to connect either either Lori or Chad to the Marone, case. Marone. It probably has Can Alex's I get you DNA out of the weeds and oh, back minute. in the but middle of the road? Fiber evidence. Fiber I, I, evidence. But you can, rest, you can rest assured that Alex's DNA is all over those bodies. They even have digital forensics evidence of Alex being at the property the day those kids went missing. It's all over oh, Alex. Really? They haven't produced well, one well, piece well, of evidence. Joseph Marone, well, whose property? Problem. Alex Cox was at whose property? It, it, it was Chad's property. Oh, but Chad Daybell's property. Chad knew about it. The closest thing they got to Chad knowing about it is the phone call that he had with his, with his girlfriend that day where he didn't show the... BS, BS. I don't know if you got that technical legal term up in Philly, but I know it very well when I smell it because Chad Daybill was was stirring a fire in Tabali. Chad and Lori are horrible people. This this state wants to charge them with murder yesterday, Mm -hmm. and they haven't been able to do it yet. That's a problem. That is Mm -hmm. a problem. Okay, you got me Mm -hmm. over the barrel this time, but not for long. We wait as justice unfolds. And I pray to God that Chad, Daybell, and Lori Vallow keep canoodling over the phone so I and a jury can hear it. Goodbye, friend. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. 
Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.